Come on, I've got to grab it. You know, I'm How many times have you grabbed it? Three. <laughs> three. And all three of those times, somebody else handed her to me because I was sitting there doing something else. Usually, when they hand her to me, she's fussing. Put her in my arm, rock her a little bit, say, go to sleep, girl. And then they all get mad. How do you do that? I'm a baby I got the touch. I got the right temperature. I got the right pattern and the right spot. And then it's out. Anyway, other than that, everything is, is cool. Um, there's no any announcement. Alright, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Most glorious Lord God, we love you. We thank you for this day. Lord, we just thank you for the mercy and the blessings we give you. We ask you, Lord, to be with the family that, uh, that their loved one has been removed from life support. Lord, we ask you to be with them as they leave. Uh, we ask them to lean upon you. We thank you, Lord, that, that, that he is your God and that he will be like a little old country called winging his way to heaven, Lord, uh, to be with you. Uh, we thank you that we have that hope and that promise. Uh, nothing we can say will, will ever do justice in explaining our gratitude. Lord, we just love you. We thank you for being patient with us all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, we finished up in verse 14. Uh, last week. And so Abraham in verse 15 it says, of chapter 4, uh, Abraham did not face the wrath of the law. Uh, and so chapter, uh, verse 15, it says, because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. So let me read that again. It says, because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. So Abraham, uh, Abraham did not face the wrath of the law because the law will happen. But here's the thing: the law will always bring judgment, wrath, judgment. But every time you see wrath in the Bible, that's judgment. God's judgment. And so uh, the law shows that wrath is being stored up for the hard heart. Romans uh, two, verses five and six. Think about this. Have we not come to Christ? Our lives, our everyday lives, and our thoughts and our actions, and we would be storing up wrath. And it ain't like it, it's not like it. It's going to be all that great to start with. Just when you die, you're going to go to hell. But you're going to say that's part of the judgment. But you know, it just says you're storing up wrath. For the hard heart is storing up wrath. Means that's storing up judgment. That's like, you know, these guys that you see on TV and they uh, they go on a high-speed chase and they're running. Do you, you know, take books for them to write down all the tickets that they're going to get because they kept breaking law after law after law. They're endangering people. You know, they, they're speeding. Uh, they're running through stop signs. They're passing on double yellow lines. I mean, just careless and reckless. And then, you know, this goes on. Assault on a police officer, especially if they hit a police car, you know, government official, destruction of government property, destruction of private property, the list goes on and on. Well, the same thing. 
man goes before the judge, they're going to read all that list of stuff and, you know, it's all going to go into one heap. Well, our sin, God tells us that if we broke one of the commandments, we broke them all, uh, that if we sin, we are at enemy with God, which is we are the enemy of God. The only way that we can avoid judgment is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his actions on the cross. That's it. That's it. And he calls way out here. And he's explaining it to them because see, the Jews thought that because, like Roger had said, because they were they, they were descendants of Abraham, not the children of Abraham. And there's a difference. And so, anyway, uh, the law shows that sin abounds and brings death. Romans 5, uh, 20, 21, which we hadn't got there yet, but we're getting uh, close to it. The law shows sin and it produces all kinds of evil desires. Think about this. Just think about it. You tell us a lie. What happened? You tell one of the lies. What happened? On that one occasion, for that one incident, how many other lies do you have to tell before people will quit asking you about that incident? And how many different stories and scenarios are you going to run through because it happened and you're making it up as you go and you can't remember? Think about it. Think about it. You, you can't remember. That's why people get frustrated when, they're caught, when they've been lying and they're confronted with the truth. They go to stammering and stuttering and then the next thing they want to do, they, they get angry because they all have an answer and they're in it. You know, if their facial expressions are changed, their temperature arrives. If you would take one of those infrared, you watch their whole body temperature would rise. Because they're embarrassed. Because they know they're caught. They're nervous. And so uh, that's why people respond negatively. That's why they, they blow up. And they hope that when they blow up, you'll quit asking. And so when they blow up and do what they do, they little bit, they come back and ask their questions. And they know it ain't going away. But sin just, it just produces all kinds of evil. And the law uh, uh, promise, or the law brought promise of judgment for disobedience in Deuteronomy uh, 29, uh, 20 and 28 to 28. 29, 20 to 28. It, it brought, you know, judgment. When God gave them the law and they wrote it down, you know, and they said, you know, like, what happens if you take an innocent life? What happens if you kill the man's cow and attack it? What happened? You know, they had all this wrote down. They had it all wrote down. Because they were they, were, they didn't have anything. They wouldn't accept anything, so God had to give them law. They go by. Because they wanted to be a nation. And eventually they wanted to be a nation so bad that like everybody else, that they wanted a king. When they had a king. They had a king of kings, but that's digressing. Well, the law of promise is 13. The law, when broken, will always bring wrath. Ephesians 5, 6, and Colossians 3, 6. Anytime you break the law, then wrath comes. The only reason we're not suffering wrath is because we're forgiven. Now, 
we, we still have to, we still every day, I ask God to give me a month ahead. Not for salvation. For maintaining relationship and getting that sin off my chest and out in the atmosphere so that I have admitted that I'm a sinner. That I have admitted, Lord, even though you save me, I still sin. I'm not perfect. And I recognize it. And I recognize that I let you down when I did it. Please forgive me. Help me make amends. And that's the reason we do that. You know, that's like if you upset somebody. You know, walking up to them and apologizing goes a long way. Goes a long way. Now, whether they accept that apology or not, that's between them and God. You did what God has required you to do. So, anyway, with that being said, the law is what reveals our transgression. That's the whole point of the law. It's to show us our sin. It's not how to manipulate it. It's not how to bend it. It's not how to spend it. The law shows that all men are guilty before God. The key word, and this is Romans 3, 19, 19 and 20. The law shows that all men are guilty before God. The key word in that sentence is all. Three little letter words. All means all. Everything. We all sin. Not one it, it is, except for the one, uh, which is Jesus Christ, but not one of us. Uh, we're sinless. The law calls sin to be imputed. Romans 5, 13. You were born with it. You were born with it. Sin was part of our DNA. For lack of a better term. I know I, 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 know I got that Peter and he ain't turning over this. No, you got me thinking. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we inherited it. And uh, the law produces sin and the sting of death. 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 56. The only reason people die is because that would be sin. Otherwise, they wouldn't have died. That's exactly right. We would be living in paradise. In we would be able to watch God walk through the valley or, or through the garden in the evening. Everybody running around naked and not know. Be like Stephen talking about before the white man spoke. You had me. You know, you didn't have to worry about anything. You really didn't. I'll see you laughing over that. You didn't, you didn't know that was going to come back, did you? <laughs> uh, the law produces a, a ministry of death. The law produces a ministry of death. 2 Corinthians. 3, 7, and 9. That's what it does. You've got people that are so upset with the law and they think that if they can remove it, it doesn't exist. Why do you think? See, things have been progressing slowly in this new country. Right now they ramped up the warp speed. Start out, remember when they tried to remove King Commandments from everywhere? Why is that? Why is that? Because that's God's moral law. That's the law that shows that everybody's a sinner because not one person can keep all of them. 
And so, it, oh, you can't have them in our courthouse. You can't have them in our school. Da, 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 da. You're, you're up. You might offend the Muslim. You might offend this one, or it's offensive. Well, guess what? The fact that you want to remove it is offensive to me. But I'm not going to force it down your throat. And if it offends me, that's up to me to deal with it. It's the objective moral right. truth. It's the only thing that holds right. uh, any semblance of judgment together. The last part of the end of the 400 years uh, silence, or the beginning of the 400 years of silence, <laughs> where it says the sun will return to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, this is the day of judgment. This is not a fun day. No. It, it's not for it's not for believers. No, it's not for believers. It's for the judgment of those who are mm -hmm. going to fall under the law. And for those who have rejected the guilt of the Christ. What precedes this? What precedes this called the day of the Lord? And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will have dreams, your young men will see visions, even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out the Spirit in those days. There's going to be no excuse. Yep. And Joel is kind of prophecy of sorts in the latter days. Sort of. It is the prophecy. But I mean, I'm not into interpreting this right now. But the whole point is, it's the dreadful day of the Lord. And and the coming day of the Lord. And, and Jesus gave us wrath. Right. And yeah. And, and, yeah. and Jesus says, I have, uh, if I have thrown the devil out, then the devil can't throw his own self out. He says, then if I am who I say I am, then. The kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God here. The both and four. Um, good against evil. And if we don't have that today, I don't know what we have. But there's there is people silently praying the power of God. And and they're acting on it too. They're coming out and doing little things here and there that are monumental. And what did God start with? One God, Abraham. He started with God. And what did Abraham get promised? And I will delineate, hopefully at that time tonight, what he got out of the promise. Not a thing. But he still believed. Keep that in mind. Keep that in vision. Well, he, he got eternal life. Well, Abraham did, but that's Right at the point of the promise is what I'm saying. Right. He was promised land. He was promised. I'll go through that a little later because I have to read it. There's too many things. Right. Huge amount of things came out of Abraham. He was broken too. He, right. he failed too. And out of those failures, God met promises in a kind of an intangible way. But when you think about it, it's, it's almost... The name Isaac, laughter. It's almost, it's, it's, it's unbelievable what I'm saying here. I'm getting ahead of the story. But the whole point is, Abraham 
What's one guy? Pray. Can we be kind? And can we bring to the table the power of God? Abraham did. Faith, faith and belief. Faith and belief go hand in hand. Works and the law on one side and faith and mercy on the other. They, they don't... They're... They're... They can't coexist. Anyway, the law, the law brings a curse for everyone who does not obey. So, judgment of God. Yeah, I mean, everything. For everyone who does not obey. What does it tell us what we were before we came to Christ? We were what? Under the law. The curse of the law. The only way that we could get out from under the curse of the law and the demands of justice was by Christ being a propitiation. There's that big word, the propitiation for our sins. In other words, by Christ being the substitute for us. He took my wrath on himself. I mean, that, that's humbling enough. All the bad things and mean things and everything, the thoughts, he took that that I had and hung on the cross. Well, that's, that's amazing. Um, you can do it for me, you can do it for anyone. Uh, and so, uh, Abraham, verse uh, 16 uh, it says, uh, I'm going to read a few and then we'll, we'll get into this. It says, uh, verse 16. It says, Therefore, uh, it is of faith that, therefore, it is of faith that it, uh, it might be accounting to grace or according to grace so, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Uh, in these, in this presence uh, of him, in the presence of him, who he believed, God, who gave, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which are not uh, for which do not exist as though they did. Uh, verse 18. Who contrary to hope, uh, who in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about four, about 100 years old. And the uh, deadness of Sarah's womb. We'll talk about that. Um, you were talking about it. You know, he had a body. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't perceive this for himself. Alright? So, Abraham's faith was a promise of God. Uh, God gave Abraham a promise from 16 through 18. Abraham was a father to all who believed by faith. Uh, justification, uh, justification is through faith by grace. Justification is through faith by grace. 
God gives us the faith to be justified by grace. Ephesians 2.8 God justifies us freely by His grace. Romans 3, 24-26 God justifies us by faith and gives us His peace. In Romans 5.1 Justification is through grace so that the promise is made pure to all. Not just to a few, that's the justification is through grace so that the promise is made sure to all. God made us alive in Christ by faith when we were dead in things. Ephesians 2 5. That is the level of all. Now everybody ain't going to take Justification is not just to those who are under the law. God has shown all under sin so that all can receive the promise by faith. Justification is not just for those who are under the law. I want to say this again. God has chosen, or God has shown all under sin, under sin, so that all can receive the promise of faith. Galatians 3.22. Going back to the, to, to the prior sentence. What does all mean? When we're talking about people, that means all people. And so justification means that Abraham is a father to all who have faith. God justifies us by faith and makes us sons of Abraham in Galatians 3, 7 through 12. God justifies us by faith and makes us heirs, heirs of eternal life. Titus 3, 7. We get that through faith. We get that through faith. Abraham was, in verse 17, Abraham was a father to many nations. God made Abraham a father to many nations. God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. In Genesis 17, verses 4 and 5. God is the one who gives life to the dead. God gives life to those who are dead. John 5.25 God made Christ a life-giving spirit. God made Christ a life-giving spirit. 1 Corinthians 15.45 God gives us life through His Spirit. John 6.63 I don't know if this is a good point to throw this in here, but, but it's Segue of faith. Um, you know, this comes by and large, well, it's amplified by John MacArthur, but um, by and large, what did Abraham's faith consist of? Abraham was first asked to leave at age 60, his whole family, for murder of the Chaldeans. He's worshiping idols and switched and trusted God. Left the idols now. Okay? To go somewhere he didn't know where. Think of that. This is first, first piece of faith. He left the idols and instead believed God. That's huge. This should just begin with. Abraham trusted God for the land he was promised he never saw. He never, he, he was a nomad, living in a land with the name of Abram 
is father of many. He had no children. He believed God with no children. And we've got to understand that. He believed. And Paul's making this, he's hitting the Pharisees and all of the Jews in the Roman church right between the eyes. Hey, you don't have no promise. You have faith. Third, Abraham trusted God during this time of famines. Pharaoh, another king, he took 300 men and fought five kings. Everything went wrong. He never left his belief in God during this time. He was at war. He made some mistakes. Remember? Abraham inappropriately was named father of many, trusted in his old age for an heir to the son in later years. So what did he do? Instead, he trusted in the Ability of man, the works of man, and he made Hagar pregnant. And they had the son of slavery. Son of slavery. Ishmael. Uh, uh, and God had promised him the, the, uh, what? He, he was the father of men. Ishmael. That's a 1.2 billion population to this day. Okay, so then the third. The fourth thing is Abraham being named this. God says, hey, you can't have children. You don't have an heir. You know, an appropriate heir. I told you. So he did what is called a miracle. The child of faith. The child, and he renamed Abraham. What does the name Abraham mean? Abram meant father of men. Abraham meant Father of multitudes. Now his name is Father of multitudes. He has one child. Remember, somewhere in between in the desert as a nomad, not having the land, Abraham is sitting there facing all these guys that come through with the camels, feeding him. He was wealthy. He had a, he had a means. And he was feeding him and taking care of all these people that were coming through his tent, asking him, hey, Abraham, as father of many, how many children do you have? He had to answer that question many, 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 many times. He had to answer that question. Father of many, trust God in his old age. He still trusted God. He still heard God. And instead, Sari, you know, at 86, which is almost impossible to meet that Ishmael. But a little later, after it really upset her, she's dead. So now they know she can't have children, right? He can, but she can't. So now they know that, and they turn around and said, 99? Finally, God weighs in. And they have a son, Isaac. Laughter, because she laughed at the angel of the Lord, saying that she was going to have a Can I have a baby in my old age? And so they have Isaac. Isaac means laughter. But Isaac is the power of grace. Isaac is the power of God. He is is not the slave. The slave person. That that doesn't mean these people counted out that are provisional. But now this person of choice is going to bring another bit of promise through Christ Jesus later on.
So he's still believing. Here, Abraham, without question, without question, God trusted him. The sacrifice, the very son God had given him, trusted him. He's going to kill him. He trusted God. Well, God gave him a son, he gave him another son. So at, at 99, well, however he thought about it, I don't know. I don't know it's mine, but he trusted God. And there was the ram in the thicket, caught in the thicket. He made the sacrifice. He said, God has provided. And it went on. And this last one, against all, Abraham believed God against all appearances of human, human now hope, that God would do what God had promised. He believed God would still, he still didn't have the land. He didn't see the father of multitudes. In, in, in terms of physical sense. But he had the promise. And he trusted God. Right up until his 175th birthday, no doubt. Because that's how long he lived. Sarah lived 127, if I'm not mistaken. And these folks lived a long age here. And they trusted God. But those things of, that make up faith were, were driven, were produced were, were um, formulated through years and years and years of trusting God. And yet we want to turn somebody into a Christian overnight and beat him up if he doesn't do everything we think he should do. No. He lived 175 years of old, of age, trusting God. It's a long time. And it was a relationship with God. God, God is able to call things which are not as though they were. So you talk, you heal, right? Ex nihilo. He made the world out of nothing. Well, I, I would it's say ex nihilo statement that they go to in the Bible. But I God is able to make those who are not His people sons of the living God. Romans nine twenty six. We are not. We were not at table. We we are the Gentiles. You know, we were the one that was shunned by the by the Jews, and yet we're His people. We're not just His people. We are sons of the living God by faith. By faith, God has chosen the things which are not. Well, see, we didn't have the law. We didn't have. We didn't have Abraham. We got accredited to him, but we didn't have Abraham. We were accredited to him. Abraham had other, we didn't have him. Not by work. Not by work. And so we eventually come to faith. And by faith, we were saved by hope. And we live today by faith and hope because of mercy and grace. So, and we work because our works are out of gratitude rather than servitude. And for those of you who don't know, we're, we're grateful to do the work. We want to do it because it pleases Him. We're not forced to do the work. It's not an obligation for us to work. So, we, you know, you just tend to do things for people who do stuff for you. And He was doing stuff for us before we even knew He was doing stuff for us. And, and so this is, this is just, it, it just makes a circle and everything. I don't over the last few weeks, it seems like we have repeated, 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 and repeated. But that's because that's where it's at. 
It keeps coming back around. He's driving this nail, and it's a big one. And he keeps banging it and banging it, and eventually he's going to set it. But uh, God has uh, made those who were not a people, the people of God. First Peter uh, 2.10 uh, Abraham was a man of both faith and hope, which Roger talked about just a little bit uh, in verse 18. Abraham believed because he had hope. God looks for that same hope in each of us. Romans 8, when we get there, 24, 25. He looks for that same hope. He did. Abraham made a lot of mistakes. But Abraham never lost his faith, and he never lost even when he was having to answer those questions of the, of, of the caravans that were coming through, oh, father of many, how many do you have? None. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I'm sure some smart out little Eric said, well, that's oxymoron. It. He might not have said it to Abraham, but I bet when they were cruising across the desert and all that, what about that dude back there, man? He was the father of many, he had none. <laughs> I bet they rode the last long time on that. That's just because that's what people do. I mean, imagine up to that. You know, we can do the same thing. God is the one who gives us perfect hope. Perfect hope. Acts 27, 25. Abraham became the father of many nations. God promised Abraham that Sarah would be the mother of many nations. He didn't just tell her she was going to have a baby. He told her he was going to be the mother of many nations, and she laughed. Genesis 17, 16. <laughs> uh, Abraham uh, had the promise of God fulfilled through him. God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. Genesis 15, 5. God brought an unnumbered multitude from Abraham in Hebrew. Uh, seven twelve. There's no telling how many people that have faith and hope throughout the generation that Abraham their sons of Abraham. Yeah, the sons of Abraham. Not descendants, not descendants of Abraham, but the sons of Abraham. That's how we're connected because we have been adopted by uh, by God into His family. You know, the thing about that is there's no orphans in the family of God. You become sons and daughters of God. We're sons and daughters of the living God. We're joint heirs with His Son, Jesus Christ. Which means on Judgment Day, we will not be facing any of that wrath. We will be up there as family members when, because He said, you will judge the world. We will judge the world. We're not going to be sitting in a bleachers over here like we're watching a football game. We're going to be up there sitting on the day it was good. And all this time, the Jews thought they were working to produce a virtual, I mean, a virtuous conduct, a conduct that would justify them. And there is no such thing. And God is going to form a relationship. There's no personal privilege or personal favor that gets you uh, salvation, so to speak. It, it's God is going to uh, expect that you realize who you really are 
And through this, this relationship begins, a right relationship that God can make possible when we commit to His service. And as we do this, listen to this thing. This relationship shall preserve, persevere, and like the Jews who were beaten, battered, hunted, and persecuted, Christians will live this total persecution and beating and being marginalized over time to stand over the graves of the persecutors one day. They will be standing over the graves of the persecutors. And that was said by Neil, William Neil, but the point here is that even though many may fault Christianity in the end, there will be no denying the mercy and the healing, the forgiveness, the mission of spreading the gospel all over that will prevail against the very gates of hell. But if it is the point for man to die once and then it's good. Man cannot see the kingdom of God unless he's been born again. When those who were persecuted were found over the grave of those who persecuted them, that's when they faced the judgment and the second death. And that death is permanent and that's when they go to heaven. That's sobering that is, that's when they go to heaven. You know, God saw that Abraham God saw Abraham believe the promise. And that's in, in, in chapter 4, verse 19 to 22. Uh, Abraham did not consider the impossibility of having a child. He didn't. He believed God. Sarah, on the other hand, laughed. A little younger. She yeah, yeah, she was a little younger. She just, you know, she wasn't as mature. But anyway, Abraham was not weak in faith. Abraham gave us an example of the kind of faith we need. Matthew 8, 26. No matter what was going on around Abraham, he never lost faith in hoping God. He never lost Now, he, he, he relied a lot on human knowledge, but he never lost hope or faith in God. Abraham gives us a, a much different example than Thomas in John 20, 27. Abraham never doubted. He never really asked for a sign. And Thomas said, I don't believe unless I put my hand in, you know, in a hole in his side and see him with my own eyes. Abraham did not think about the impossibility of him having a child. Abraham was ready to believe God that he would have a child in Genesis 17, 17 to 22. He was ready to believe it. Abraham did not think about the impossibility of Sarah having a child. Abraham and Sarah were far past childbearing age in Genesis 18, 11 through 14. Abraham and Sarah saw God honor their faith in Hebrews 11, 11 and 12. I must interject in here that, and it's in Galatians 4, 22, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. And that's kind of an allegorical thing you're not supposed to use. But what this is is a typology 
that that um, Paul is bringing up here, the free and the slave. He's trying to say that there's two ways to go. There's two ways to go. It doesn't mean these people, but at this moment in time in history, one was a trust in God, a faith in God, and the other was a trust in man, and a trust in man's words. And, and Paul's seizing on this opportunity long before the law came along, long before all of these rules, the circumcision, etc., was there that the Jews were all counting on as some sort of privilege. And Paul's pointing out, no, this is not the way God... Uh, he's interpreting the Bible for the Romans there, saying this is kind of an hour. This is a story. It was one of, of man's works, and, and this was not really the promise of God. And then there was the one that trusted in God, and then you had a child of promise. And so it's an illustration of how faith works and how works doesn't work. And that's what I want to say, because all people who serve well can come to Christ, no matter who they are, whether they're the lineage of one or another or somebody else, we all have free will to come to the glory of God. I mean, if God chooses you, uh, as it is said in other words, then He chooses you. You follow Him by faith. You don't get the chance to get all this evidence piled up next to you so you can not get out to go down the middle. Right? And that's the key and so everybody can be, anybody can be uh, considered uh, if you know, God. It's available to all, but all will not going to take it. It's available. So it says, here comes the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world. So it's available to everyone. Not everybody is going to take it. If it's not. I'll pass along the Wyman fragment that is coming up. Any questions, any comments? In 423. I don't know if you've seen it, but they prove that this part we're in next that's coming up is from the, probably from a, a fragment piece that came from the third century, the late third century. I passed around before. I don't know who all was here or wasn't here. But any question? Any comment? How are we doing with with with, with
We thank you, Lord, that we're able to take the time to go verse by verse and, and, and unwrap these things and see where these verses tie into other verses so that we can build upon uh, things that, that the Apostle Paul is making and we can build upon things and see uh, the context that they were being placed in so that we can apply them to our lives and add them to our vocabulary and our witness so that we can give an account uh, to others for you and our beliefs. Lord, we love you. Keep us